Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, October 10th, 2022. Today on the Ether, YFD or Yield Foundry DAO and Rethinkable. Discuss Web3. Let's take a listen. Hey guys, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? Doing well. Let's give it a few moments. I know we have a few from our side that are going to be joining, but excited to have this conversation. Thanks for joining us. Um, I think it's going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just getting a message out now. Yeah, we'll have a few from our side that'll be joining. So, all right. True in true spaces form. Let's just get started, and people can uh, start joining. Unless uh, rethinkable, if you want to wait a little bit. No, I think we're good. We can get started, and they'll uh, they'll funnel in if they'd like to. Okay. Um, who do we have from Rethinkable on? The mysterious man. <laughs> no. So my uh, <laughs> name is John. I'm the marketing lead, and I do all the spaces for Rethinkable. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah, so th- thanks for joining us on this space. I thought we would uh, have uh, just a pretty open conversation. Um, we've been doing some stuff regarding the sort of future of work um, is really where I see it going. I mean, it's, it starts with, you know, web three, some of the like evolution even of like where the gig economy is headed. Um, We've been doing some bounty boards ourselves, setting up, you know, partnering with contributors. So there's a lot of, you know, sort of freelancer contributors. And that's really what our community is all about, bringing together a community of builders to just do more than what, any sort of centralized entity can do. So the power of like a true decentralized workforce with some sort of long-term goal, objective, long-term incentives to see this thing succeed. Um, That's really what we're working towards with the Y Foundry community. And I know that Rethinkable, you, you are in the space doing a lot. So I'd love for you to kick us off if you would just to talk a little bit about rethinkable i don't know if everyone is as familiar with what your project does and you know just talk about you know what you're all about yeah absolutely so i really appreciate it so again my name's john i'm otherwise known as jay porta on uh on discord i'm the dow president for pesky also the marketing lead for rethinkable and i do their spaces so rethinkable um it's actually really interesting because we've seen a lot of different platforms kind of popping up and people trying to connect applicants and projects. And that's really what we're about is our goal is to be the LinkedIn of Web3. And we're trying to connect applicants with those projects. And so we have a free Discord bot currently um, that any of our early adopters, they do have it for free, will always be free lifetime for them. And with that Discord bot, we actually have roughly probably about 250 partners at this time. So that's 250 discords that it's installed in. We have over 4,000 applications that have been submitted. Uh, we also have probably about 110 to 120. I have to look at the latest stats of people actually hired through the bot, uh, including myself. With that, we're actually building out a web application um, with more features and functionality and a social platform so people can connect a little further, showcase their skills and their talents. And really the idea behind Rethinkable is we wanted to try to come up with a solution to some of the problems we saw in this space. And we really narrowed it down to three. The first one was not having a central hub for people to actually connect uh, for employment in the Web3 space. There are some websites out there, but it's usually a high entry to list a position or not really a lot of demand um, that's on there just due to exposure. So we wanted to be a central hub to kind of connect those applicants and those projects to be able to enter them into the Web3 space if they choose to start working in that space. The second one was verification. 
We know that being anonymous in this space is usually, you know, the thing that everyone goes to. With that, even though that's great and that's a part of the space and the culture, it's very hard to verify your work. If you said you've worked for X, Y, and Z project or you were a dev for this project, it's very hard to solidify or validate that information. So what we're doing with our web application is we're going to be implementing features that you can tie your Twitter, your Discord, your GitHub to in order to kind of verify that work along with references is another thing that we want to put in there as well. The third thing and what people find most interesting or uh, are excited about is the on, on-chain payment processing that we're going to be having. So we all know in the space that, you know, people who like to work in the space or provide a service, we kind of want to get paid for it. That's really the end goal at the end of the day when you're putting in this. I sent the invite over to uh, Terra Spaces. So we'll see if they, we can get them back in and Finn can work his magic to magically stitch these back together. Okay, so the problem now is that I can speak, but I can't hear you guys. Okay, let me figure this out. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> Twitter's at it again. Hello? Hey. There we go. Right. Hey. Yeah, we're back on. Awesome. All right. We got everybody back in. Sorry to interrupt the stream of consciousness. Um, we had some uh, that you had going on there, John. But if you want to uh, pick up where we left off, I think we'll continue forward. Yeah, of course. Um, so I think the last part I was on, I'm not sure exactly where it rugged, was the um, the third thing that we were trying to conquer in this space was the payment processing. Because again, everyone in the space, you know, we work, we provide a service, we kind of want to get paid for it. And if you've been in the space long enough, um, sometimes that always doesn't always work out. Um, either quality of work, the project comes back and says they're not happy with it, even though they were happy with it the entire time or they change the um, their percentage or whatever it may be that you were going to get that you originally agreed upon. So we're going to have on-chain payment processing either through an escrow system or Steamflow, potentially both, um, that will be able to help and assist with this way. If, say, you get hired for a project and they want to pay you for a certain thing, they'll be able to distribute this money into the escrow system. There'll be governance behind it as well. So kind of like a checks box system. So you submit pieces of the work that you're doing for that project. They check it off on the other side. You move on to the next step. And once you get to the end, full completion, that's time to be paid. Some people raise the question of, well, what if they decide that the quality of work isn't there? There'll be a governance system in place. This way you're going to get paid um, to an extent in some way or form, especially if they've already deposited the money. And we just want to make sure that everyone is kind of taken care of. What we're trying to be is a stopgap between you know the nature of having to network like absolute crazy potentially get a job or um, you know the doubts of maybe not being paid for that so that's really three of the solutions we came up with with the being the central hub the verification the payment processing that we feel really isn't there yet in this space so we want to be able to help facilitate that so when you guys get started in your web3 careers that you know that you know we got you covered and we're trying really hard to help you guys along with that process that's great yeah, I have tons of questions. There's a uh, plenty of uh, places we could go from there. Is there anywhere in particular that you would like to start diving into, or anything else you want to, you know, talk about for the overall project before we just kind of riff on some of this? I think I'm good. I'm ready for some questions if you guys are. Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind, I'm curious. Um, you talked about, you know, making sure that you know being able to verify. Not, I think in my mind, there's there's a line there with, you know, verifying someone's a legitimate person and not a scammer, but also kind of transitioning to, like, how do you measure someone's achievements? Like, we're, you know, we're we're working towards the same thing with kind of like a, you know, could we get to some sort of meritocracy even where you can actually know that someone is capable of accomplishing something i mean obviously some fields you've got portfolio of work you know as a developer you can have you know your own github um that you could share for with some of your work but for some of the other you know projects when you have marketing or some of that i mean you can kind of give some of your accomplishments but what are your thoughts on where the future of that's going i guess we could start with the like uh, the white listing the sort of like I'm a real person verification level. Um, what are you guys doing today to achieve that? And where do you hope that will go in the future? Yeah, great question. So really what we're trying to do, and 
you know, this also raised a couple of questions from other people. We're not necessarily trying to force people to identify themselves. What we're trying to do is help these projects. Um, let's say if they ask for it, right? If they, because doxing services is something else that we're going to be providing with the web application. It's just trying to help people verify that information to demonstrate that those skills and experiences can be displayed um, for other people or for those projects. And that's really the main goal for us. Um, it is very difficult, especially because it's newer in the space, but our goal is to really make sure that we provide a platform to allow these people to you know, facilitate that or we facilitate that for them so they can connect with these projects. At the end of the day, you know, for people who want to remain anonymous, that's totally fine. Um, I was all about it in the beginning. Now I've kind of given up on my first name and things like that, depending on who the people are. And, you know, I'm comfortable with it because I have nothing to hide. I'm just here to do kind of the greater good, so to speak. And we want to be able to, to help people do that as well. So really, that's just the starting point for what we want to do. I hope that kind of answers the question that you have there, uh, Crash. Yeah, it kind of does. I mean, it seems like it's going to be an option for the platform anonymously. And is it going to be kind of uh, maybe there's different levels if, if there's a, a project that wants to have the members doxed and needs that maybe from a regulatory you know jurisdictional perspective that they can easily do that through the platform the platform could still be used by those that are anonymous for those projects that are okay with that is that oh did i did i get rugged or did i lose everybody you broke up there a little bit i wasn't sure if the you kind of finished on that statement. You broke up towards the end, at least for me. Sorry about that. Um, I was just, I was recapping and making sure that I was clear. There's an option. If, if projects are okay with working with someone that's anonymous, then there's options for people to use the platform anonymously. But there's also kind of a, le a level of, we want our team members doxxed. Um, and that's something that the platform enables as well. Correct. 100%. It's not something um, a couple people in the beginning when we were talking to them or even the community members are like, so am I going to have to dox? No, not, not at all. Because what we're doing is when we're providing these listings and trying to help people connect, we're not making anyone do anything they don't want to do. If a say project ABC comes out and they're like, hey, we're hiring a marketer, but you have to fully dox. The resources are there to do so. If you'd like to do it, fantastic. If you don't move on to the next project, everyone has their comfort level. What we're trying to do is display these options and these resources so you have them when you connect. You may be a phenomenal candidate, but this project may come back and say, hey, we want to know everything about you. We'll tell you about us for transparency. It's up to you at that point to make that decision. And some people are comfortable with that. Others aren't. We've had community members who have fully doxed to us um, just through applications. And that's their personal choice. You know, We didn't require it. They feel comfortable doing it just for trust in the team. And that's fantastic. Um, so really the resources are there for them to do that, but by no means are we enforcing it. Um, you know, it's not something like we can go back to the project and say, hey, this is a great candidate. They don't want to dock. So we don't get into the weeds like that. What we're trying to do is just be a vessel to connect these people and allow them to do these things on their own, but with the resources as necessary. Okay, I've got some additional questions about the whole meritocracy and you know, that that sort of level of verifying skills. But before we head into that, um, you talked a bit about connecting, you know, I know that you connect through like Discord. What does connection mean? And what do you have in store there? Because like LinkedIn, you know, the LinkedIn of Web3 sort of premise, I mean, LinkedIn has a whole social component, you can actually connect on the platform, you know, share posts on the platform. Um, what are what are the options there to connect? Yeah, great question. So some of the things, and just for example, so uh, we'll have something like, let's say there's a project that's looking for someone who has year, you know, years of experience in crypto or vast knowledge in the NFT space. It's very hard to gauge how long they've really been in there. They can say they've been in the space since the very beginning. So something, for example, is like when you connect your, say your wallet, um, we'll have badges or accomplishments. So if you have X amount of NFTs, you'll get like a badge for it, not an NFT with us per se, but in the general space, right? Just to kind of give some concept to that project of how long you've been in the space, roughly, right? If you say you've been in the space since the very beginning, but you've owned two NFTs, it may be true, but if you own 100 NFTs or 75 NFTs, something along those lines where there's an accomplishment or a badge to attach with it. Um, 
also educational courses that we're going to have that when you complete them, you'll get badges for that as well. So say you're a moderator looking for a moderator job, we're going to have internal and external courses. Um, we've already done some workshops. I've done two over the last couple of weeks where you can kind of get accomplishments or badges associated with that to help yourself stand out to that project. So when they look at it and they say, oh, okay, this person wants to be a monitor, they took X, Y, and Z moderating course through either this company that was facilitated by Rethinkable or that was built in-house, you know, they'll get something for that as well. Oh, that's really cool. So are these badges and these sort of achievements, are those something that's going to be on-chain eventually or are they on-chain now? Like, are you, who are you partnering with or what, what chain are you using for that if that's the case? So not so much on chain. It is something we want to do. We want to be able to incorporate stuff on chain because obviously that's the big thing is utilizing the technology with these projects and even our project. Um, but doing this in a matter where at least it, it demonstrates something for them. So down the road, we want to be able to do something more on chain, but having it attached to their profile through the website, um, even building out additional functionality within the Discord bot, which we have multiple features coming out in the next two to three weeks where they'll be able to attach different things and have different features so they can use that as well. Okay. That's great. Yeah. I look forward to seeing that. I mean, I think it's, when I think about, I mean, I'll, so much potential for education. I actually come from an education background myself, like over 10 years in like technology, corporate education, um, various things there. So definitely interested in that topic. I've done a lot of hiring and interviewing as well. So um, anything that like you want to call out about like the potential there and specifically like vetting process for applicants? I mean, talking about like someone that comes in and says they have particular skills, what does that look like when they maybe they work with a few projects and maybe they don't demonstrate some of those skills? Um, what options are there for projects to not necessarily blacklist somebody, but, you know, put in their feedback about working with a particular person and get kind of the full picture of what this person is capable of, where their strengths, their shortcomings. Yeah. So one of the biggest things we get is when people apply, they're looking for feedback. And right now it's hard for us to give that feedback for them, um, especially a lot of our community are newer members, either looking for their first job, IRL or Web3. So we kind of try to help them along the way with those workshops and additional resources to kind of help them build on their skills, especially bringing their IRL skills to Web3. Um, we're big you know, fans of, and myself included, because that's how I started, that you don't necessarily have to have Web3 skills, but you can bring IRL skills into the Web3 space. Everything I've done in this space is based off my background as a paramedic. Um, so we help them along the way with that. And really just allow them to know that it is a numbers game. And a lot of the times their resume is really what it comes down to. And it's little tweaks here and there that help them with that. Um, so, you know, the big thing is not having them get discouraged, helping them along the way and kind of shaping them in a sense or holding their hand a little bit as they progress. So this way they know that, you know, they're going to build that experience over time, those skills to get them where exactly they want to be. Because again, someone who's been in the space since the beginning or is a developer who's worked with some big name projects, they're going to have an easier time getting that job potentially. But there are projects out there that, you know, we've seen it just from people hired. They want newer people because they're, they're hungry. Sometimes, you know, when it's very early on, they're very hungry and they want to work and they want to learn. And some of these projects bring them on for that. But otherwise, we kind of help them along the way and shape them so we can get them to a position where they can get that job. That's great. I love to hear about, you know, the background, you know, people coming in from all sorts of different places. Did you say that everything you, you say paramedic, that everything that you're applying came from? I mean, I think it's pretty relevant with the state of the market right now. The paramedics probably is what everyone needs, right? But <laughs> yeah, so I've been a paramedic for about 10 years now. And a lot of the skills that I've actually brought in from the space came from that. So people ask, like, how do you relate? you know, being a paramedic on an ambulance to Web3, well, it's actually a little easier than you think. Um, I talk to patients and people every single day, so I'm very comfortable talking on spaces. I'm talking, you know, I'm comfortable having phone conversations or whatever it may be. Um, you know, being on scene of a lot of, you know, a big car accident or a building fire or whatever it may be, having that command presence, that turns into leadership and management. So little things like that really helped you take those skills from IRL and bring them into this space. 
Yeah, no, that's great. I I personally have helped quite a few people along in my professional journey just to kind of connect the dots. I mean, I've had plenty of people, especially younger people that come into the workforce that, you know, sometimes they're just like, oh, this isn't where I want to be. This isn't the job that I want. You know, I want to do this and this. And, you know, they have bigger plans. And it's like, okay, I get that. But like, you know, here are actual skills that you could be learning while you're here, you know, while you're doing this. I mean, think of everything as a development opportunity. Everything is a skill that you're learning that you could apply more broadly to no telling what in the future. You never know what the opportunities are. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely interested in those sort of topics like what, you know, a, as someone who, you know, isn't in the technology industry, but is coming into this, I mean, I think the time is now for, I mean, there's just such a much more broader need for different things beyond just developers. Um, you know, of course, you've got artists, but you also have, you know, just any sort of variety of skills. Um What's the best way to highlight those skills? I mean, you talked a little bit about education and some sort of achievements, but some of the stuff, it gets a little, it's a little hard to, um, to identify. Like, how, how do you know that you're going to have a commanding presence, you know, for running Twitter spaces or like some sort of marketing, you know, skill that you may not even realize that you have? I'm just curious, like, how do you, what do you guys working towards or how do you think about you know what skills are we having listed on our platform how do we you know market different individuals based off of what their experience is is something that you partner with them do you have options on the platform that you're kind of building out or is it largely up to the individual great question so it is very hard to showcase that right and with me being one example i was able to land different positions not just rethinkable but been through two project launches, you know, Dow president for Pesky. So I have other things on that resume that showcase that. And I've not only been in the space, but a lot of those skills come from IRL. And I think what a lot of it is, is, you know, we tell people is networking is one of the biggest things, not just to make friends in the space because of how fantastic this ecosystem is, but connecting with people to help each other. I've always I've been a huge believer in give more than you take and bend over backwards for people because it pays off down the road. I think some of the kindest hearted people in the space are the ones that you know thrive the most. And so it's hard to market certain individuals based on that. And the goal isn't to market them, but really just to help them give them those resources and shape those resumes and showcasing what they can do. Um, I think there's a lot of people, and we're seeing this more and more now, that as people get hired, they're not so much relaying, you know relying on friends or trusted friends or family members to help them with the project, but they're able to outsource to these other people through a, you know, a, through a more, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, unique process where they can actually get hired, have an interview, so to speak. So it's not so much marketing them, but giving them those resources so they can set themselves up better when they go into these, you know, positions. Okay. Oh, we've got a few other speakers clean, Grant, you know, I, I don't necessarily the conversation here i mean i can probably come up with a million questions feel free to interject you if you have anything yeah uh, so i feel like i don't have yeah so i feel like i don't have too much to add because pretty much uh crash you know you've been asking the right questions the same things that i had on my mind and i'm you know mostly in awe as well just listening to the story and it, it resonates a lot with my own experience as well, coming from a uh, customer service background uh, and, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur as well. Like when, when you're a one, one man company, you're, you are the customer service and complaints department as well. So I've uh, been through those situations and they really, really helps, uh, especially when I'm in Web3. Um, and yeah, that's basically how I got my start as well uh, without having any like sort of background in finance or uh, economics. And yeah, I, I, I would truly believe that, you know, uh, a lot of Web3 skills, a lot of Web3, that's like Web2 skills and Web2 jobs, they do translate into Web3 because in the end, you are still dealing with people. Uh, you know, it may be a technological space, but it's people who use them, it's people who benefit from them. And that's why, like, we we need to, we need more people who are, uh, who can work with people in Web3, not just developers, not just uh, technologists. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think it's the coolest thing when you can mash those things together. Um, it's really nice. And I, I feel like that really differs from Web 2, 
where you have to demonstrate that experience in order to get something, even at an entry level position, where I know so many people here that I've either hired as you know a, a part of the whitelist team at Pesky or even a moderator through Rethinkable, where they didn't have a background in Web3, but just how they were able to communicate themselves. You know, we sat there and we're like, let's give this person a chance. Let, let's, you know, they, it sounds really good. They're really hungry. You know, they're passionate. Let's give them a chance. And they've been really good with us. And I feel like that's really different than, you know, a lot of things in Web2 where you have to demonstrate those skills on paper, whether it was through education, other businesses, whatever it may be. And I love that it doesn't have to be the case here. It really doesn't. And I think we can expand on that and make that better for people who maybe never worked IRL want their first job in web three and they can take off from there even if it's like you know a moderator position a collab manager to whatever and they work their ways up to you know launching their own project or their own startup i think that's one of the coolest things that someone can do just from being able to have communication skills or just being able to network with people and just be a sponge to soak up information in the space 100 percent, totally agree yeah that's great i mean you've i've got a a thought trail that I would like to take us down. And you talked about, you know, connecting people for, you know, job opportunities. Um, I'm assuming that that's, you know, full-time, part-time, whatever. Uh, I'm kind of interested, what are your thoughts? And this could be your personal thoughts or the, you know, official thoughts of Rethinkable Team, whatever, wherever you want to go with it. But um, thoughts on the gig economy, um, kind of where all this is headed. This is something that you think quite a bit about um, laundry is a community project. I see it as having you know foundational members of you know that kind of core contributors, but I don't see it as an exclusive thing. You know, if someone, it, it's more of a meritocracy. You contribute at a certain level, you know, you will be rewarded for it. But um, and this is you know, future speak, maybe you have these sort of gigs, these, you know, bounty, this whole bounty system that you could be, you know, paid out for different tasks that are useful for the overall project, but you can also work for a hundred other projects if you want to. Um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are about, you know, kind of the gig economy, where it's at, um, what are the challenges there and where this could possibly go or how Web3, you know, kind of, kind of uh, accelerate that. Oh, did I cut out again? Uh, it looks like there may be reconnecting. Yeah, I think John dropped. That's okay. Um, yeah, we, we can keep it going a little bit. While yeah, we anyone here? Thoughts about that? Sorry, Crash, you cut out a little bit there. Could, uh, you mind repeating what you, you said? Oh, I just said anyone here have thoughts about that, just kind of like the gig economy. And you know, we talked a little bit about like finding a job, you know, or whether that's full-time or part-time, but what about, you know, the sort of bounties, just kind of gig economy evolution? Oh, yeah. I think I can relate a little bit from uh, my my own experience. Uh, and of course, like, you know, I don't speak for everyone here, just uh, maybe people who live a similar background as I did, uh, sort of middle class in Malaysia, which uh, is next to Singapore. Some people say maybe Singapore is backwards cousin. But, uh, well, when I got into the, the space and started working on bounties and things like that, I realized, like, it's such a huge difference to someone who's living in, uh, say, like a lesser, quote-unquote, lesser developed country. Because a single bounty or even a few bounties a month could be the difference between making rents and or, like, starving. You know, and uh, that, that sort of difference is what I see as, like, also, the, the economic power, the economic transforming power of Web3 in the sense that it can redistribute uh, resources in a sense. And also just kind of like give people the option to have like this second job, which they can do online uh, without having to have you know, special qualifications, without having to have a special network uh, that, that connects them to these kind of opportunities. You know, uh, one of the my favorite headlines from the last year uh, was... You know, farmers in uh, the Philippines were basically trading Axie tokens uh, for work and for products and services because <laughs> it had become such a huge thing over there. And there were a lot of players who were just like, you know, capitalizing on those tokens, sending their, their kids to school, sending their, their, their siblings to school and, you know, not having to be working at a young age. 
uh, or like you know buying a house, renting a room, or even just having time out of their day to to build a business and things like that. And I feel like uh, having bounties and a gig economy, which is like flexible, uh, really makes huge difference in in that sort of upwards mobility and also in just like giving people the time to do other things because we don't have to be in front of uh, you know at a, at a office all day and commute to and fro from your job. Uh, you know, maybe two to four hours. Even some people have even worse commutes. So I think that's a really uh, freeing thing to to have the ability to just kind of like earn as you go uh, in the gig economy. Yeah, I mean, I I think like what's the actual value of you know when you're talking about you know tokens or honestly we'll we'll save this for a longer space, but just money in general. Um, Ray and I were talking about this yesterday. Um, just kind of that like money as a unit of you're trading your time, you know, like that, that's about, that's a store of optimally would be a store of your time in some way. And I think we talked about this, uh, you know, a few times where you, you know, what, what about this like proof of reputation sort of concept where it's um, even beyond, you know, just like, Hey, I've, I've logged the time or put in this much money or value and it gets to, you know, I've got this history of contributions and perspectives that are valuable and education and everything. Um, I, I think there's something there. And I just think about my kids, too. Like my, my one of my kids, um, like he basically takes his allowance in Robux, you know, I mean, he's in, he's in the metaverse. He's in Roblox all the time that's what he gets paid in. I mean, it's just like, obviously there's a transfer of my money, my time into money into Robux. But, um, I mean, he, I could see him working in a quote metaverse part time and getting some of these, you know, sort of like funds that he used within games to unlock new games and skins and whatever. I mean, it's really not, I don't know. I think the next generation is going to be much more primed for some of these concepts, especially when you're thinking of, you know, quote, like non-traditional currencies, I guess, um, the kind of tokens within games and things of that nature. Um, so, yeah, it's just like a, each community having their own sort of reputational system. Maybe there's underlying standards for all that where it you can compare apples to oranges a little bit easier but i don't know it's interesting to think about 100 percent, dude and i like i think there's sometimes a difference as well between like just one community having that uh internal reputation system like because like if you look at low bugs yeah but, uh, i have a lot of friends who are young parents who also pay their kids in robux but uh like like robux doesn't mean anything off of out of outside of roblox so that's why, like, I think with uh, sort of like reputation systems that people are building as well, they have to be composable in a way, or they have to be somewhat universal, or, or it can be like applied in a way where, you know, it's maybe convertible, maybe it's transferable, I don't know. But like, uh, if, if it's so, you know, it, it's something that everyone needs anyway, uh, I would hope to see some kind of joint development that like, that that makes it a public good, and then that that would make it, I think, a lot more uh, meaningful, a lot more measurable, maybe. Yeah, I mean, well, Rethinkable they talked about like using in it. I mean, that's really what they're doing with NFTs, right? I mean, it's a, a crude way of measuring like how long have you been in the space? You know, if you like, oh, you say you've been in the space for a long time, but your on-chain history and the NFTs that you have, maybe that you know, is contrary to that narrative that you're putting out there. Um, I, I mean, I think it's a little bit, it's an, it's a layer of abstraction where hopefully we will have options in the future. That'll just be more direct like, Oh, well, whether it's an achievement or whether it's some sort of indicator, like, Oh, I have done these things because these certain milestones, maybe not everything. I mean, I'm not talking about like a dystopian big brother, technology sort of scenario and i definitely don't think everything needs to be on chain but having particular milestones be on chain particular you know big achievements with different 
projects, you know, you've contributed at this level. I mean, there's discord roles that could be, you know, moved to have an on-chain component where it'd be easier to kind of easily compare apples to apples. And Yeah. It's, it sounds like you're almost talking about the modern passport system, you know, in creating like a mesh security or a mesh reputation system where some communities inherently trust other neighboring communities based on their reputation you know systems and other communities require visas or extra vetting you know to to pass people through yeah no that's really brilliant because i think that that's that's a challenge that you think through because like what's going to keep some like fake community from starting up and start like spamming oh well you're getting a tons of these reputation to i mean because we've seen the links that some uh, scammers will go through for some of their like really elaborate scams. Um, how do you add in, you know, that layer of trust at the community level, maybe even the protocol level? Um, I the think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 But it's, I mean, it's really expensive from a, from a, uh, if you want to call from an employee or from a person looking for work standpoint, it's expensive to build your reputation. It takes a long time. So, I mean, the incentive on the on the on the work provider, like, or you want to whatever you want to call it, the worker side, is that their their reputation is transferable, um, because in on the employer or the payee side or the payer side, I should say, I mean, there's an, obviously an expense in in vetting people. So having some sort of trustless reputation system that spans outside of individual you know work for hire people or work for hire groups would be beneficial if there could be trust between a larger ecosystem so 100 percent right and i just want to insert a little bit which is like i get you know from the the, the working experience or the, the experience of like finding work at least where i live uh, usually you do your job and then, you know, for some smaller company maybe at first, and then you get a letter of recommendation right, from your from your manager. And uh, those letters of recommendation, basically that's that's the chain that you'd have to go to. But let's say, you know, uh, you and your manager have spat or maybe they just it, are petty or whatever it is, uh, you, don't, you can't secure the letter. Uh, that can be a problem uh, where I'm from. And so, like having that thing be autonomous, be equitable, I think that that would lead to like a lot more opportunities for people. And well, yeah, yeah. Now, well, now we're getting into some of the challenges with the soulbound tokens and some of the concepts there, because like, okay, so you got into a spat with the manager. Well, let's say it's like not a spat. Let's say you got this on-chain, you know, sort of recommendation, but then you have a lot of behavior that is not um, uh, like the original issuer would like to revoke that. And it's like, oh, well, this person is not who they said they were. And after working with them further, they've done some behaviors that I don't want to endorse. Uh, there's no way to pull that back, you know. Um, and that's challenging, you know, for both parties. Um, like, where is that line? What should, if you're endorsing someone, should you have the potential to pull that back? And, you know, obviously there's technical component of how do you set it up to do that, which isn't there right now. But there's also just kind of like, you know, what does that need to look like from a Sanders perspective? Absolutely. I think, I think one of the ways, at least I see this potentially happening, it's like true um, arbitrate arbitrator protocols. I, I might not be using the right word here, but there has been like some uh, protocols before, for example, that that would help uh, resolve insurance claims on chain. So for on chain insurance providers, like say Ozone or uh, Risk Harbor, they might work with another DAO, which provides kind of like this validating or verification service, or, or like just people who act as mediators. Uh, and they do that in like a decentralized way. And so that could be potentially one of the ways is to kind of have this like, I guess like a, like a court or maybe even kind of like a union for Web3 uh, where, you know, you'd have a group of people where, you know, you'd really want to be careful not to consolidate power and to keep that group of people like rotating kind of like a jury. But that could provide some kind of like a third party who is impartial and able to sort of resolve those conflicts. 
Yeah, and I, I honestly don't know why you need people involved in it at all. If if the record of receiving a certificate or qualification or work history or job completion is all on the chain, then that basically builds the historical record and, and through, you know, algorithms, through computational analysis and, and however you want to create a point system, you know, or whatever, you you could determine somebody's reputation by the data on chain. I think you can remove the the human factor, which is required in our current state because, you know, our communications aren't you know, completely recorded and documented on the same platform. So there's there's no easy way to see a, a person's work history in in the meat space, but on chain, you could definitely see the entire history. Yeah, I mean, I think you could have a system like, okay, so you, I'm a manager, I want to endorse Clean because he's doing a fantastic job. And then there's some measure of like, Clean has approved me as his manager to endorse him. So you can't like spam, you know, just like black marks on people's records. But at the same point, maybe there's maybe there's some sort of like, oh, there's some undesirable behavior that's also on chain. And then after okay, you can see the history. There was an original endorsement for this individual, but then there was also kind of some scammy behavior that is a little bit of a red flag. I don't know. It's just maybe overthinking it to start off with, but just curious how you get around, like balance both of those, the power to both who is endorsing as well as who's the endorsee. So so first we're building... So first we're building Kickstarter for DeFi and then we're going to build LinkedIn for DeFi. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, that's what Rethinkable is doing LinkedIn. We'll have to do like Fiverr for DeFi. Or yeah, and that, that's actually a great segue into what I wanted to say, which is that I think, you know, with all these bigger problems, I mean, like every problem that we're facing, that's always a root cause. That root cause has a root cause. But <laughs> so on and so on, we can take it all the way back to evolution or whatever, the creation of the universe, uh, Big Bang. Uh, but I think what what might be the way forward is that you know with Web three we've built a, an ecosystem of composability and we see that we have like people like Rethinkable solving one problem and people like Web Foundry solving another problem and ultimately maybe the way we get there is just to slice these huge problems into smaller pieces and let everyone do a part of it and then in the end we'll you know be closer to the big solution so to speak. Yeah, I mean Ray said it best. Like I think what you're talking about is how we ideally would come to standards, right? It's not a bad thing to have multiple people working on similar problems, but ideally they're doing it in concert with each other and then they can develop, you know, standards for this. Like what do we all agree is the base layer of this reputational system and then whatever community can build whatever they want on top of it and whatever suits them. But there's some kind of foundational codified rules that everyone adheres to, to be able to participate in the network. Absolutely. And, and I'm going to speak as an obvious here as I'm inviting Ray to, to, to interrupt at any time and to fill in with the details. Because I think that this is kind of the, the direction that we're going in with, with open source, with the internet, with that sort of hive mind concept that, that we can solve problems together. Uh, if anyone knows this program from back then called Folding at Home, this was before Bitcoin mining, I think, or maybe around the same time. Uh, but basically, you could have your computer run this program, which would help, which would simulate, I think, uh, folding pro- proteins or something like that, which would then contribute to to public research at universities. And so, like that's sort of like kind of like this hive mind sharing resources. Uh, you don't have to have qualifications. You don't need to be a scientist to, to really like help solve like the big science problems kind of thing. I feel like the more that we create the technology that facilitates that, the more that those tools become accessible and easy to use. The, the better that we are at scaling this uh, solution. Yep, uh, I agree. Uh, funny story with folding at home. Uh, it's for proteins and to try to figure out Alzheimer's and other drugs. And, and um, I actually was friends with some of the people who inspired some of the folding at home stuff. There was folding at home and there was SETI, and they were both using Hive computers. This was almost a decade before. Uh, before blockchain, before uh, Bitcoin, like 1999, 2000, stuff like that. One of the original 
uh, kind of hive computer uh, working projects was called COSM, believe it or not, C-O-S-M. And it was made by a guy named Adam Bieberg. And uh, we used to hang out together way back in the day. And that, <laughs> and that stuff, you know, in part inspired and worked with the same time folding at home. What the, how did I not know this? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, oh, it was called distributed computing. That was the uh, technology that was around. And that did SETI at home where they processed the, the signals picked up on the giant radar dishes and not radar dishes, but giant dishes that were listening to noise from space. And they were trying to find uh, comp- like intelligible signals within the in the noise, and then SETI at home was, or sorry, then uh, folding at home was the uh, the protein folding to try to do uh, research for medical. I think it was Alzheimer's was the big thing that it was used for. Yeah, I mean it's still going. They did some COVID nineteen stuff um, when when we we're kind of racing towards the vaccine a while back. Um, I remembered hearing them do some work there. Oh yeah, it's EVM before EVM. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, that's an example that I've used in a few other, you know, kind of conversations around the potential for like gamified work. Um, Ray is bowling at home and things like that because it's like you get a bunch of, you know, decentralized group of people with a a better sort of interface for some of these activities, and then, you know it feels more like a game. Like you just think about like world of Warcraft, you know, you've got like, you've got an accountant who's copying data from one place into a spreadsheet. And then you have someone who's, you know, was doing the same thing for hours on end, but they were macros for their world of Warcraft, like character to level up and grind away. It's pretty much the exact same action, but someone's doing it willingly for hours on end for fun. And someone else is like, this is the worst job that I've ever had, you know, and I hate my life. Um, I think there's a lot of potential. I've done some gamification for work over the years, various states of success. Some of them worked out well, most of them did not, but I think there's a lot of potential in the space. Hell yeah. This is why you're here, man. (laughs) Yeah. I think just generally like keeping things fun and having the, the sort of community aspect of it. I mean, that just makes whatever you're doing a lot more enjoyable. If you just aren't, you have the, like, um, you know, you're, you're, um, I'm trying to think of the word, but you've got that intrinsic incentive just to keep going and see things through as opposed to it all just being about, you know, this is just a paycheck for me. Absolutely. And, you know, I guess like a slight sideline, but that really made me think of the, an early Dilbert book that I was reading, uh, which was basically teaching you how to how to manage your manager. And part of it was basically saying, you know, uh, if you can't get a raise, an actual raise on your salary, give yourself a stealth raise. Either you, you work faster so that you have more free time or, you know, <laughs> find some way to make your job more enjoyable. That's That's raising your living standard without having an actual raise. And And now we're transitioning into or quiet quitting, right? (laughs) The big new (laughs) thing all over the news. What are your thoughts on quiet quitting? Like, because like when I hear people talk about it and I read about it, it's just like, especially from a media perspective, there's some there's some sites that I've I've read, you know, they'll, they'll put out there and it's just like that. Your description of quiet quitting just sounds like a a productive worker doing their job and not logging a bunch of extra time for a corporation for free. Like it doesn't really sound like quitting to me. It sounds like they're doing what they need to do. They're just not like pouring their heart and soul on tons of extra hours for the you know extra value to the corporation and not interested in climbing the ladder. Like I, I know there's you know I, nothing's black and white, and there's all sorts of levels of you know, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Hi, you no, know, I've heard, I've heard it from both sides. I think uh, I have friends on both sides of the. I think it's it's kind of maybe age based or like progress based. Like where are you in your life and how you would see 
quiet quitting. At least for me, I think uh, my friends who are over 30, kind of in these like middle management, like supervisory roles, they tend to see it as like, oh, the younger people aren't, aren't as resilient. And I'm saying like locally, like Indonesia, and they would say like, oh, you know, the younger people aren't as resilient or they're just not as committed. And they think it's like, come and like get your paycheck and go home kind of thing. And I think in some cases, in some cases it's true. In some other cases, it's that they're asking things too much of them or they're asking things that are just not very work appropriate. Uh, and then on the other side, I also see kind of like uh, from, from my younger friends, um, there's the kind of quiet quitting where it's like they've been slowing off at their job. I, I know an animator who works like uh, till midnight every day and they're being paid pretty much close to minimum wage and just not getting anywhere. And they're, they're even basically in a supervisory role. They're, they're teaching, they're training new members, they're managing uh, even some of like the the having the client meetings things like that and yeah at the same time they've never been advanced in the title or salary and i feel like yeah but you'd have a huge incentive to to quite quit or you'd have a huge disincentive to continue doing your job but a lot of them just do continue because you know there was nobody talking about it, it was not the topic of conversation and it was always said like oh you know you keep your head down work a couple of years do that stay late and all that and you, you move up which is not always necessarily true especially and you consider that you know uh, the, the cost of living goes up, uh, but uh, at least in Malaysia, I don't know about everywhere else, but the wages have not been going up, and it's just kind of it, it's a problem, definitely. And you see it in in real life as well. And I guess that's kind of like combination, uh, along with all other factors, I'm sure around the world, there's like other kinds of factors that come in this huge wave. Just people were saying, you know, enough, enough is enough. And when remote jobs became available. During COVID, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's just like the contrary narrative to the sort of gig economy, you know, kind of evolution of in the meritocracy. Honestly, like if you have particular, in my mind, you've got particular goals, you've got deliverables that you're delivering on. Then why do you need to log, you know? 20 extra like why does it even matter how much time it takes you to do it first of all um you know what that's sort of getting away from the sort of like 40 hours a week must be adhered to for doing uh, as we all know we've all put in i mean i, I think I, myself on average put in more than 40 hours for forever for on um, my day job but um yeah i mean you, you, shouldn't we be incentivizing you know efficiency or just the work itself you know instead of it being you know some sort of time-based thing i think that that's like as far as we can get away from that old way of thinking especially when it's the golden handcuffs of a corporation that you know you're relying upon for your day job and not to demonize too much i mean i've worked for a great corporation for years and years but um you know, at the end of the day, there's like a limit, you know, you're putting in a ton of value and what are you personally getting out of it? You know, I don't think it's a linear sort of reward that you're getting out of all the value you put in. Absolutely. And I think another thing as well is, oh, wait, sorry, was that someone wanted to speak first? You can go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, yeah, another thing as well, I think is that uh, it's kind of a nurture nature debate as well. Because like you could, I think the, the kind of arguments on the other side would be more like, oh, you know, human, it's human nature to not want to work. So we have to force you to work. We have to this and that and to force productivity into your life, which I don't, I don't believe is true, or at least not 100%, but it can't be. Uh, and then on the other side, it's like the, the nurture debate, which is like, uh, if we structure systems in a way that encourages you to be efficient that encourages you to work, which I'm honestly, I'm, I'm a, I lean a lot more towards that side of things i believe that yeah if you structure your processes right make it easy to do the right thing people will do the right thing uh, but of course like there will be anomalies there will be people who flow the other way uh and so yeah in those ad cases who knows but for the majority yeah i believe that if you structure the flow correctly uh you can incentivize people to take the right action i don't know i think people go for the easiest way out possible <laughs> If they don't have to show up, I think it's just human nature to show up less and less and less. I mean, it depends. Like, are you working on something that you are personally invested in the success of it? Right. Um, I think that's a different conversation. But yeah, I agree. There's right. There's a certain amount 
especially in corporate America. I mean, that's what we saw with the virtual work, which I'm definitely not demonizing that. I mean, I think obviously like for everybody on the space, probably right now, like you could do pretty much anything you need to do virtually, but there is, yeah, a lot of companies are really stressing for people to go back to the office for the face-to-face -face interaction. And honestly, just not everybody can do the virtual work or they get away with, you know, doing so much. I mean, they want to know that people are actually working and not just like, Hey, logging off. I mean, I personally had that problem of like, what are you actually doing? You know? Yeah. I, I think like we may be in a fortunate place and it's hard to see the forest through the trees in the sense that, you know, if we're, if we're fortunate enough to, to have something that feeds us that we're passionate about, I think that's, that's an anomaly for a lot of people. A lot of people just have to do the work, have to do something to subsist. And then, you know, beyond that is great. Or it's not really about the work. Maybe it's about the lifestyle it provides. But I mean, to have the opportunity to do something you actually enjoy doing and get up every day and take pleasure in, and you're able to, you know, take care of yourself and family with it, that's, I, I don't think most people fall into that bucket. Yeah, but they should. Like, we should build that world. Um, that's what I'm thinking, where more people are able to do that. I mean, we're, we're, we're helping with one part of that with YFD, you know, ideas and being able to bring those to reality um, and build a community around those. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not something that can be solved super easily. But, I mean, I think that's the promise of the sort linking up being able to create your own projects and work on them and if you're doing something that uh crash i think we lost you in the last 30 seconds or so a minute and a half yeah yeah but uh yeah just to speak on on the point that was uh, previously definitely feel that uh, it's really good that you know you brought that up ray is that we have to face reality which is that for most people the reality is that their jobs are something they have to do and that's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, but you know, at the same time, knowing that there is a path forward, that there is a way to methodically reach that goal of, like, say, you know, uh, more, you know, maybe ten percent more people, twenty percent more people have the opportunity to do something that they do like and, and something that is their passion. I think any move that we make towards that direction is good. At the same time, it has to be measurable. At the same time, it has to be, you know, funded. It has to be enough resources to do it uh you know it's a challenge for sure but i think just the fact that someone's doing it that i know that we're probably not the only ones doing it is is good enough yeah i i agree um i think it's you know it's a it's there's opportunities but but definitely the we're still in this interim space between you know, manual labor and like intellectual labor and, and not being in the past, you before machines and before you had so much intelligence and, and AI and other things, you just had a, a sheer amount of work that needed to be completed. And it required an immense amount of time and, and energy, both mentally and or physically. And as we're, you know, even self-driving cars, right, and, and logistics of transportation, as you're automating these systems that used to take a human being to operate a vehicle to go across a, a you know, span of thousands of miles or thousands of kilometers. And in the next five to 10 years, it's going to be an automatic system that doesn't require a human being involved in it. it it's going to, it's changing the labor force and like we're talking about here going with the gig economy and that everybody's going to be self-employed is just there's no need to have somebody manning something 24 7 or you know for shifts at a time because there's systems that are being built to automate anything that we can actually quantify and we're we're doing the same work on the blockchain in terms of automating and and defining rules within smart contracts to outline tasks that normally would have been you know, check if if the governments of the world, right, and some governments have, could quantify their tax code in such a way that it was black and white, and and the systems to input the 
the parameters from each individual citizen could be you know built into a same standard system you wouldn't need accountants and you wouldn't need you know you'd have advisors for financial reasons but you wouldn't need people doing people's taxes for them so we're getting there and we're kind of in i think human history forever you know is in an interim stage of transition and and we're just in some major transitions in terms of capabilities of technology for us absolutely fully agree i think the last 20 i mean since the iphone i think uh things have just been changing at, at such a rapid pace i think we're going to see even more stuff come up technologically or maybe even philosophically i'm hoping to see you know some some changes some new theories maybe or some adaptations of old theories that that make it make sense for, for our world because that's what we're trying to do in the end we're trying to make sense of our existence uh and we're trying to you know we're trying to do stuff with our life so yeah i definitely think like this is the direction we're moving towards with web three with blockchains with or metaverse, you want to say, um, yeah, you know, some solutions are more refined than others, but uh, we'll get there step by step. And, you know, we'll be putting in the work and hoping that more and more people join us in this journey. For sure. Uh, with that, does anybody have anything, any questions or anything they want to say? Otherwise, I think we'll kind of wrap up the space. We've had about an hour in here. Yeah. I think that's a great place to end it. Any questions? Comments? Like and subscribe. Smash that like button. Smash that like button. <laughs> and then smash whoever the Twitter developer is that keeps dumping out yeah. these spaces. Oh yeah, my gosh, this is the most rug space ever. It's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at you, Jack, or Don, Elon. whatever your name is, guy. <laughs> yeah. Twitter guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess, I guess this is the end of the night. Uh, well, what, what a bright conversation. Uh, always great speaking with you guys and uh you know thanks thanks for the listeners as well uh you yeah, know, make us feel less less lonely and thanks for rethinkable i did connect with him he wasn't not able to rejoin but um we'll definitely invite them back for relevant topics if we have more discussions like this to offer their insight into the space i think that'd be pretty cool but um yeah thanks for them for joining and talking about the project and thanks our spaces for listening to this later and <laughs> putting this on the recordings honestly like fan i don't know uh, how you do it i mean with uh, how many of these spaces do you have to stitch together for the archive um it's uh, keeping up with twitter is a full-time job i can crash your break number yeah crash take a break your computer's melting yeah <laughs> it's a nice one all right thanks everybody Thanks, fellas. Have a great day or a great night. Yeah. Peace. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Yield Foundry DAO and Rethinkable having a chat about Web3. Recorded on Monday, October 10th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Sipping on a little bit of sin I've been giving Try to keep it written down So it feels like I've been living I've been realizing a minute Reality ain't got limits Going out my fucking mind Testing out the physics Stretching out the distance For instance Let me be specific The risk is hedge funding the business Betting on the difference Ingesting all the research Sleeping through the rebirth Sliding out feet first Sleep tight little dreamer Early to bed Early to rise With a rugged ass demeanor Taking beats to the cleaners You know I love my t-shirts And the people who support my little dream here Transparent cows, I gotta steer clear 2020 going down is one fucking weird year Take a second, look around, the psyops is winning Set the table, we just biopsy dinner Now, I'm gonna react to that and act like I'm telling you a personal anecdote Something to break the tension Something to endear myself a little bit Something kind of, uh, embarrassing <laughs> And you guys are gonna make an awe sound it's true, it really happened.
They got a tracker in the phone, tracking everywhere we go When it's fine if I don't know, I already sold my soul Getting ready, rock and roll, tip the first domino Feeling up, I'm in a bowl, with these avalanche flows Stop and rest on the road, gotta get where I'm going And the rest of y'all know that we hit the ground sore And I'll be coming for the fuckers that be summoning the trouble Running on the double while I'm handing out the W's Putting wins on the board every fucking day They love me on the team because I know my fucking place Better get in where you fit in, I'm delivering the meaning I inherited the demons, always sneaky, never seen them If I'm breathing, I'm reading, I'm not even being conceited I need to see for myself if you think that I'm believing It's the season of reason, y'all be seizing the research I'm receiving the meaning, that shit's called teamwork It's not so much as so little has to do with what everything is But it is within our self-interest to understand the topography of our lives unto ourselves the future states that there is no time other than the collapsation of that sensation of the mirror of the memories in which we are living. Common knowledge, but important nonetheless. Terrible spaces.